everybody, welcome back to It Was All a Stream. I'm Chris Sachs here with my co-host, Neil Carroll. Welcome back, everybody. Unfortunately, this week, there's no more Mando to go over. That is done, but we have some more fun stuff to discuss today. We're going to be talking Wonder Woman 1984, which we just watched over the weekend. We are going to do a little rolling or trolling. We've both got lists of our top 10 in entertainment from 2020. And then we've got a couple, we've got the suggested for you's that we talked about last week. I'm so Um, ready. First, let's get into Wonder Woman 1984. What a disappointment. What a... And it's a science term, steaming pile of crap that movie was. Yeah. It just let down on every conceivable angle. And, and he, like, I want to praise Wonder Woman 1, the first one. Like, it was so good. Patty Jenkins, the director. The, you know, Gal Gadot casting her as uh, Wonder Woman. She has a kind of Middle Eastern uh, Israeli accent. So the other actresses decided that they would just put on an accent to match that. It was an interesting choice to make, to take the character, gives her kind of a a mysterious island persona from Themyscira, that whole thing. All of the magic I felt was gone in this movie. You agree? Yeah, I think we both can agree that we were very much disappointed in this sequel um uh, i i think let's try we have a lot of bad to talk about with this movie yes let's try to start do we have anything good that we could take away from this movie what let's start with the good we'll we'll be optimists all right we'll be glass half full for the first segment i will all right here's what i'll say I think it's tough to find some. I know it really it's is tough to think it's of some. really tough to think of something. Um, I like that they're expanding the universe beyond, you know, our normal. Like, for example, I'll say that like it's a it's a cumulative positive thing. So since the dawn of DC comic book movies and, you know, the 70s and everything else, we've kind of rinsed and repeated characters, Joker penguin you know even doomsday and and superman we've seen that across all the cartoon versions and and live action versions Uh, it's nice to see cheetah it's nice to see you know some different lore and mythos that surrounds the dc universe like it was nice that they tried to do something like i approved of that but the, the the sheer all right, so that's my positive. I was about to slide into another negative. I'll also say this. Kudos to, um, what's his name? The Mandalorian, who plays like the magic guy. That's how bad it was. Like, it just didn't stick out with me. Kudos to him because I felt like he was making choices and he was trying hard and he wasn't the worst thing in the movie. But that's as good as I can get. Like, he just wasn't the worst. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you. Uh, so I, I'll say that I, I like Chris Pine. 
although I I have issues with his character mm. and and plot line and stuff like that. I think Chris Pine gives a charming performance. I think Gal Gadot does a pretty good, you know, a, a good job with what she's given for True. the most part. It's hard to not with the writing that they had on this movie. It's hard to give a really, really good performance, but she, you know, she did her thing. I think Pedro Pascal committed that that's a good word to use. He, he definitely committed. committed and played the heck out of the role. Um, but I think that's pretty much all I can get to as far as the good. Oh, and there was about 10 seconds <laughs> of enjoyment that I got from the invisible jet. I yes, thought you know that what? was That's very right. cool how they implemented it and how she could turn a regular jet invisible and the nod there. I agree. And then they kind of like the flying through the fireworks was visually cool, but it just one made no sense. And two, Correct. it um, You've got just dragged on, on for too thing. long. Yeah. So let's get into Everything, what we didn't like, so that's everything else. And I'll start with, I think that's a good segue, uh, talking about the fireworks, is that I think every single scene in this movie dragged for too long. It just, they overdid it. With every scene, it went way too long. You know, every time we do our uh, suggested for you, I always make mention of pacing. I'm like, you know, this was a good movie because I felt like I was engaged the whole time. The pacing was good. There was beats every so often. You know, like, you're absolutely right. They dragged too long. They did not keep a good tempo. Um, And let's say, well, we're going to give the spoiler warning now. Yes. I I don't think we've spoiled anything yet except for the invisible jet. But let's get into spoilers at least now. Um, First of all, there was no significance to 1984 in this movie other than Correct. that was just the time it took place. Right. Correct. There was, there was no reason why right. this had to be in 1984 first. Is that fair? Is, that is a hundred percent fair. And, and here's the number one thing that they blew a 1980s was a very colorful, very theatric time Two, if you're an American whether you liked him or hated him, uh, Ronald Reagan was a big deal in the 1980s. And they had the president, they had Reagan appear, and the guy looked nothing like him. Like, they didn't even make an effort to get a Reagan lookalike. They didn't even make an effort to get somebody that was doing a Reagan impression. It was like, why, why have this be in 1984? What's the point? Right. Exactly. Um, I think the other thing that didn't really have a point was it had a point, but it was just ridiculous was Chris Pine. So like basically the whole plot of this movie was in my mind created so that they could bring Chris Pine back because it's such a ridiculous plot. Just there's a stone that you make wishes 
and then the guy becomes the stone. He basically it's Aladdin, but Wonder Woman. Yes. Um, I it it didn't really fit with what I, I and I don't know. I'm not very familiar with Wonder Woman comics or any. I didn't watch the TV show or anything like that. Is this yeah. have any relevance in? I mean, it's they tied it into the gods, which is a perennial. Which makes sense, at least. Like, she's always dealing with some god gone wrong, some ancient Greek, you know, type of god gone wrong that she's got to deal with. Um, You know, it was Mars and the first one god of war, and that was the whole purpose for having it be during World War I. Uh, You know, that made sense. Like, it tied and fit together. Um, The other thing was like, so yeah, you have the wishing stone. Off the top of my head, do I remember specifically a wishing stone? No, but I do know that like her one of her weakness weaknesses or weak points is the same weak point as Superman. Like these are basically godlike figures that are invulnerable to harm. Their issue is magic. Like they're okay. susceptible to magic. They can they can have which often happens in the comics like their mind gets taken over by some spell or they're, you know, it's like like a like you put on those goggles and you're playing a video game and you're in the world like VR. Yeah. Like that can happen to them. So I get that. I get that. That's where they were going. They, it was poorly executed, but again, like you talk about stretching things out too far. A, she doesn't fly. Like she flies in the, in the cartoons now because that was exciting for children, but wonder woman doesn't fly. Like she doesn't, she's not super girl. That's why she has a jet exactly she's not supergirl she's not superman she doesn't fly she's not hawk girl like you've got to give her some kind of limitation so they did the whole man of steel thing where she could jump really far like she, she'll spring ahead and then right. and you pointed this out now and, and i'll turn it back over to you that whole lasso as like a like a grappling hook thing, she basically uses she uses the lasso half the time as a grappling hook for like lightning, which I guess kind of looked cool in the trailer, but then when you see it within the context of the movie is stupid. And she uses it similar to like how Thor uses his hammer. So like Thor doesn't really fly, but what he does is he just um, swings his hammer so fast that it's like a helicopter and he can throw himself far and kind of fly that way. So that's how she was using the lasso, which I thought was a complete knockoff of Thor. Um, I don't know, man. It was just that it was, I don't, if you're going to have like, there's so many open ends to this movie as well. Like they talk about the, the God of lies. We never get an appearance from them. Right. We have at the end, everyone renounces that all they have to say is I renounce my wish and everything goes back to normal. But does it go back to normal? They never establish like what happened. Does everyone remember what happened? Is the world? I mean, the entire world was in chaos. And then the very next day, she's like at a winter festival, like Christmas festival, because they had to shoot something Christmas brand new for the Christmas release that again, no relation to anything else that went on in the movie. And 
and what the they just we forget about that where does what happens with the stone so he like pedro pascal's character he wishes that he's the stone right and then he becomes the stone and the stone fades away so when he renounces his wish does the stone come back like they that's exactly that open-ended they don't like it it just made no sense it was messy they I so it was messy. They didn't close the circle on anything. We never meet this god of tricks. We don't know if the stone's back. We don't know if it's like, um, like the snap in Marvel, where at least they explained it's like, no, look, it's five years later. Everybody came back, they're the same age. Everybody else is five years older. We're dealing with it. We're moving forward. This, nothing, there's no resolution. Nothing happens. And, and here's the, the worst part you're leading up to like the final confrontation where she's going to deliver the, like she, or is delivering this speech that's supposed to, you know, rock your world and make everything make sense. And, you know, of course I'm going to renounce my wish because I'm so, you know, she, like it hit me in the feels. I thought it was meandering. I thought it was not, it was not a lucid, thought she was having i fell in and out of it it was too quiet i didn't get the point of her speech and the whole like truth thing that they rammed down our throat when she started like in the beginning when she cheated in the in the themiscira and olympics and robin wright is like no you have truth it's always about truth and you got to be truthful and blah 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 okay but how is your wish like how does it re- how does the truth relate to the whole plot of the story? I feel like just, they didn't do a good job weaving it through. It was just messy. The whole thing was messy. Like, and and again, you kind of mention they have the she has the big speech, and obviously there's also that aspect of, you know, Wonder Woman, kind of being this icon and role model for women and and young girls and and things like that, and you know she's presents herself as such an independent like you know force right but her entire emotional story arc hinges on the fact that she hasn't gotten over a man chris pine in 50 years or however long it's been Mm -hmm. i'm bad at history i don't know when world war ii was (laughs) world war one world war one it's even worse 1917 so there you go so even longer than that, right? She right. literally has not gotten over Chris Pine's character. And then when he comes back, so like they basically bring him back and like he has to save her, you know, like emotionally and like give her permission to move on to and all this stuff. Go, yeah. I thought that was ridiculous. They also like she has all these, you know, moral issues or anything, but she never addresses the fact that he is possessing another person. He's, he's not Trevor. Exactly right. He's possessing and taking over the life of a completely innocent guy. And she's basically use, like, using yeah. him as, you know, a toy, a plaything. What happens? Like, what is. What happens to that guy? Like, well, he just. You is see he him dead? at the is end. He in another world. You, you see, see him, him the at the end, but you don't know what happens in the middle right. to him. Yeah. Cause he's there. Like that's his body. We're just seeing Chris Pine, like you said, but like, 
where's his essence where's his mind and soul like come on and also, i don't buy that she sees him yeah yeah she doesn't no she sees the other guy she sees new guy but also like what and i like chris pine like i want good things for him but he it, it was he was out of place in this movie and just didn't he was un you know, he had his funny moments like trying to fit into the 1980s because he's from the 1910s and blah, blah, blah. But like, he just didn't sell it, didn't do it for me. Really didn't do it for me. I think it wasn't the best. The cheetah outfit, you know, I think it was like, it was serviceable. It did its job. I want to talk about that fight scene later when you're ready. But yeah. Kristen Wiig was probably the best actor in this movie. I I think her again I it I'm having trouble distinguishing between the acting and the writing. Yeah. Because the writing of this movie was piss poor, putrid. Yeah. Um and her storyline and story arc had zero meat to it. You know, right. what I mean, it, it, there was yes. nothing like you, you meet her, everyone is being like comically, absurdly over the top mean to her for no reason. Right. And then she makes her wish that she'll be just like Wonder or Gal, Gal's character, right. like Diana. Yeah. And then she becomes that and all of a sudden she becomes evil. I just I I don't get it. They they didn't do enough to sell that or any of it. They didn't do enough to sell any of it. Correct. They took it for granted. And they then when it comes to her renouncing her sorry, then when it comes to her renouncing her wish at the end, they don't sell that either. They didn't give us a reason why she would do that either. Exactly. Like what would drive her to that? The the I don't want to be like anybody else. I want to be an apex predator. That's a nice way to get me to Cheetah. That's a great explanation of how does she become a, a Cheetah person. But there was no foundation of that. No foundation. No foundation. The origins of the character was like they were, the character was an animal lover, you know, much like Poison Ivy. It was like she wanted to protect Mother Nature and blah, blah. So that was the next logical step. No foundation. No foundation. It, it, it was, it's, Let's talk about that last fight because it happens in, they make the same mistake as they made in the first one. If you remember the first one, she's fighting Mars and a just like every DC universe movie in the last, in the recent times, it looks like a uh, computer generated, which it is cartoon, but a bad one. And it happens in complete darkness, like complete darkness. You can, you can film something that happens in the dark and still be able to make out what's going on. Perfect example, and I'm not going to go too much into it, John Wick. I had to watch John Wick, as you're, you, you're suggested to me. I watched it. M much of the fighting took place at night. Much of it takes yep. place during the day. A lot of it took place in nightclubs, mm -hmm. darkness, okay? But here's the thing. I knew what was happening. Yeah. I could see what was I, going on. I got it. It made sense. The figures were um, well-defined. 
I thought the last fight was a waste of everything. I think there was per- – so I felt like the CGI was pretty consistently terrible yeah. throughout the movie. And I think part of the reason why it was so dark in that last fight scene was because of how bad the CGI was and it hit it more. Okay. You couldn't tell as much how bad okay. the CGI was because of how dark it was. Well, I, then I hope that's the case because then that shows that there was some intelligent life behind this film. I I just I, I'll kind of like I'll hammer home my point on the writing because again I keep going back to the writing and how yeah. poorly written this movie is. This is an actual line that's mm-hmm. said by Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal's character when he's uh, he everything's over. Again, right. somehow everything goes back to the way it was, but it doesn't because there's a huge mess everywhere. He runs from whatever confined place he was, literally runs and finds his son yes. miles away. Miles. It's dark where he was, like we were talking about, CGI fight, yep. broad daylight when he meets his son. Gets to his son, and he's, you know, having this big emotional moment admitting his wrongs to his son. This is an actual line he says. I'm not a great guy. In fact, I'm a pretty messed up loser guy. Yeah. Like, really think about that. Like, what is happening? Who is in charge? What is happening? What does this have to go through to get okayed? And speaking of that, like, here's my fear. They're making a third one. Yeah, so we'll we'll kind of get to that too in rolling or trolling. Okay, but um, because yeah, it, you can have and all right, let's all right, we'll get to that because I'm gonna reference another uh, sequel that was less than good, but led to a third movie that was great. So I'll wait for that. But this film just top to bottom, soup to nuts. I'm glad they released it on HBO because I was not. If I paid for a ticket, I'd be upset. I would just be upset. It was, it was an exercise in someone's passion that shouldn't have been indulged. Somebody was like, oh, this is going to be great. I always wanted to see this. I'm going to like that. We're going to fly here. We're going to do this. We're going to spend time. She's going to put her fist out like Superman. We're going to, I want to see that. And someone should have, someone from the, studio should have called and been like listen we saw the rushes tone it down it was it it was someone they allowed someone to turn their fan fiction into a movie yes that's what it felt like yes and the fan who wrote that fan fiction doesn't know anything about the stuff they're writing about no none whatsoever it's like the the actual fan who wrote fan fiction about Rocky that became Creed, that made sense. Yes. Yeah. That's a perfect example of when it makes sense. This is not. Right. I do. So to give this movie some context, okay. because we've gotten, I would say some rough movies from DC in this DC universe that they've created so this isn't counting the original Batmans, the original Supermans, um, the the Chris Nolan 
Batman trilogy, none of that. But I did want us to quickly, we don't have to go really in depth or anything like that, but I wanted to quickly give our ranking of the DC movies, our personal rankings, just to, again, give context to like how bad or maybe not bad in the grand scheme of things this movie was compared to the DCU as a whole. So we're agreeing on the fact that there are, we're ranking nine films. We are ranking nine films. That's right. correct. From Man of Steel to this movie. Correct. Okay. Do, all right. Do you want to, you want to trade off ones or you want to just zip through the list? What do you want to do? Let's, let's do zip through. You, why don't you give me your list? I'll give you my list. Okay. And you can go, depending on which way, like what half Wonder Woman is, start on that end. Like, or don't start on that end. So like, if you have them at the top, start with the bottom. If you have Wonder Woman at the bottom, start with the top. All right. I'm going to start with the top. Okay. That's what I figured. All right. Now, of, and, and, so what's ironic is I have Wonder Woman. Okay, actual yep, Wonder the first Woman one. as my number one. Okay. Because it, and again, I'll be very quick. So number one is Wonder Woman because that actually accomplishes, and I had problems with that movie, but it accomplishes what you want in a, right. in a universe starter. So like when they made Iron Man, there was a lot there. They peppered in some things. They didn't mm-hmm. know if they were going to get a universe, but they peppered in some things in case they did. Wonder Woman was that. It was like, okay, we're going to pepper in some lore, some mythos, some fun stuff, get people interested, and cut. That, you know, could they have made a better film? Yes. Did it have its weak points? Yes. It's my number one. Number two is Shazam, without question. And okay. it was tough. It was tough for me because I almost put Shazam at number one. And the reason for that is it's fun. Like you want, like you, like you're watching a Marvel movie. It's fun like that. It's scraping the bottom of the barrel of characters and turning it into something fun. Like they did with uh, guardians of the galaxy and it's lore, it's mythos, it's deep cuts. It's stuff you can have fun with. They brought in Superman spoiler alert, but they didn't show his face you know, because they didn't know what was going to happen. So you, it can connect to everything and it can also stand on its own fun movie. Number three is, and here's where it gets difficult because like those were the only really two for me, like good, good ones. But number three, I'm going to put probably Aquaman. Okay. Fun watching Aquaman. Um, it, it tried to follow along with the Wonder Woman themes because Wonder Woman's 2017, Aquaman's 2018. I think they made some alterations to it to give it a little bit more, more scope, a little bit more grandeur. It was probably a little too grand for an Aquaman movie, but fun, interesting. I probably would have went to see a second one. All right, so let's see. We're at one, two, three, four. My fourth one is just no is batman v superman dawn of justice that's how difficult that this is is that you're adjusting as you're going on 
I am. I'm adjusting because like, I'm like, I don't, I, how could I have put Justice League out of that? Batman versus Superman, because I'm a big, um, uh, I'm a big Dark Knight comic book, Dark Knight Returns comic book reader and fan. Um, for a while, that was all that existed. Then after that movie came out and leading up to that movie, uh, they started the series again. So there's actually a Dark Knight Returns comic that is a continuation. That's, you know, it's like once every quarter, I think. I don't think it's a regular weekly or monthly. Um, so just for the sake of giving me that characters that I've been waiting to see, I'm putting that at number four. Crap film, but I'm putting it at number four. Uh, number five, okay. The Met of Steel, right? Okay. The Met of Steel, as I call it, what a horrible, horrible way to tell a Man of Steel story. However, that's a movie. Like there's action happening. Yep. There's beats, there's steps. Yep. It follow, like there's a logic to it. That's why it's placed at five. Um, for the sake of getting things right and actually being a Superman movie, a terrible. But for the sake of these nine films, it's number five. Number six, and here we go. We're going to get a little faster because I just have so little nice things to say about these things. Um, number five is uh, suicide. No, excuse me. Number five no, number is six. number six. Number six is um, Birds of Prey. Okay. All right. Because totally outside of the mainstream, totally outside the norm. They tried something completely different. I'm not going to put it last. You know, they're, they're going to, they're going to make adjustments if they ever get a second time at that. Um, also, that's a fun thing. Like, that's what I like to see. Like it's, it's all, this all female cast because they're all originally female characters doing interesting things and finally getting their like getting their due like you know mm -hmm. all these yeah. some of them were side characters but they're getting their time at bat they're getting their due and they're all very interesting especially in the comics number seven am i at number seven yep yes number seven is or you might uh, be at number eight i am at number eight because i only have two to go and it was very difficult to make my choice <sighs> my choice is and I never thought I would see the day where this wouldn't be last on my list. My number eight is Suicide Squad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That movie was hot trash, as you like to say. And as we've said, literal hot trash was the third act. It's like, oh, it look, was. there's a ring of garbage. <laughs> that, was the, that was the big bad. That was what we had to do. So, uh, but I'm putting it there because... Will Smith is always doing something. He's trying. He's one of those actors that's acting. Even if it's not good, he's doing something. Um, the concept, I've been waiting to see the concept. I thought it would be cool. But just just the sadness. Uh, it, it gave us a new version of the Joker. I was excited for it. That was terrible. But I like the idea that he was involved. And my last is this Wonder Woman, because I'm going to tell you, if I have to go to my wall unit, if I have to go to my shelf of nine movies, I'm reaching for Wonder Woman 1984 last. And that's, that's my list. That's my ranking. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to knock. I, I would say, so here, let me give you my ranking. Yeah. How you feeling? And there's kind of tiers to this too. Ooh, so I, know, I think tough. my top tier of just, and it's on a tier of its own, for me, is actually Aquaman. 
That's number one for me. I'll respect. I enjoyed Aquaman the most out of any movie that I watched out of these. I think it's the most rewatchable. I think it has the maybe not the best star, but probably tied with Gal Gadot as like the best portrayal of the the main character. Um, And yeah, it was just the most fun and it was just, it was a real movie. And like, I can't get enough of the scene in when they dive into the trench. Yeah. And they have the red light and they're diving down and you see all of the, the like sea monsters swarming behind yeah. like that was like a, that's a comic book scene an iconic i felt like like just amazing visual yeah. um Definitely. Definitely. so that was number one for me totally respectable um, kind of on my second tier of just like movies that i enjoyed so mm-hmm. i would say number two was the original the the first wonder woman um number three for me was actually birds of prey Ooh. i I only saw it once. I saw it in theaters, so I do have to give it another watch. Mm-hmm. Um, this and Shazam, I only saw it once, so I have to see Shazam again. But the only reason why I put Birds of Prey is because I think, like, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is pretty, like, perfect, pretty perfect. for that character. Yeah. And I like the idea of her basically being this world's, like, Deadpool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's kind of like that character and I just enjoyed it. Like I thought it was a fun movie. That's a great Shazam. Shazam is four for me. Okay. Again, Um, still in your top five, like mine. Still in the top Uh, Shazam. I I just put a notch below just because that felt more like commercial than kids than it was for me. I didn't really, I like, I never know. I didn't know much about Shazam before seeing that movie either. So I didn't really have much of a connection, Um, but it seemed more like that was DC's Disney movie. Right. Um, Now the next tier is the Batman versus Superman. Yes. Um, So that that's number five for me. This is where we're getting into like, I children that wasn't bad but it wasn't good i just i felt nothing for that movie so that's that tier okay that's fair this next (laughs) tier now we're down below again the six and seven are like these are actively bad actively bad so justice league is six for me okay interesting justice before okay man of steel is seven for me all right because justice league like justice league was bad but yeah. like I watched it and I didn't feel like I knew it was what I was watching was bad and it was too long. I didn't feel yeah. bad about watching it. Like I was like, okay. okay, I saw this. I can move on. I didn't right. like it, but I can move on. Man of Steel, I actively disliked yes. as I was watching it. Right. You know what I mean? Like well, I had yeah, serious problems. Actively dislike. Yeah. And then Wonder Woman is eight for me. And Suicide Squad is nine. Now okay. those I act like actively hated as I watched. Yes, actively hated. The only I, reason why I give Wonder Woman a notch above Suicide Squad is yeah. because there is a sliver of hope for Wonder Woman 1984 mm-hmm. that it's 
in a category that's more like so bad it's good you know what i mean yeah i guess like there might be enough there where it's like 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 i said that that one line that pedro pascal has like i'm a i'm a loser guy or whatever right like if you maybe on a rewatch that would be funny. what's happening would be funny yeah maybe maybe like if you treated it like that so that's the only reason where i can't find anything redeeming about the original suicide squad so that's last for me i like i like let's talk about this for a second like let's analyze our picks placements so we have one two three we have three of the same top fives correct okay and our final two are exactly the same, except we were inverse. Right. Yeah. So, oh, you know, we're pretty much on the same page. We're like, very like close. The, the, very our close. biggest difference is Birds of Prey, which I obviously right. have three and much you have higher, much yeah. lower. But now, let's, and, and because I know we're going to leave this and head mm-hmm. into the next segment. But when you were making your list or, or when you were thinking about it, how hard was it to divorce? the good you know dick donner supermans and batman begins and returns and you know even batman 89 and and some other dc movies that have been made in the best how hard was that when you were looking at this collection of i mean those would be in it actually for me wasn't difficult because those are in different stratus stratospheres like there's a different there's a whole there's a whole different grading scale right for those movies than there are for these movies like they never get a man's my number one my number one but it's not coming close to to, those films to those films but that's my thing like uh, like let me rephrase not about divorcing them in, in terms of like your rankings but how bad did you feel that we grew up with that and this is what this generation gets. I know. I know. Like, this I mean, has for... been the last decade of life. This has been the last decade of DC for people in this world that we live in. Yeah. I mean, for I more, I just, I feel bad for DC fans. Yeah. I'm, and I'm one, man. Like, I, I know you, you're you've always guy. been more DC yeah. than Marvel. I'm lucky that I'm a Marvel guy yeah. because I don't feel as bad about the DC movies. Like I love Batman. At least we get good Batman movies every 10 years. You know what I mean? So whatever, that's fine. It looks like we're probably going to get another good one coming up. If you've seen the trailer for it. Yeah. But Um, not if you listen to the reports from the set. Oh boy. Um, Well, we'll see what happens, but yeah, as a, as a Marvel fan, like I've gotten everything that I wanted. Yeah. So like, no, it's so bad. And, and here's what I was thinking too. There was, and I think we talked about this, there was a time where um, Stan Lee, there was like a, a crossover where he was asked to write one issue of like the top five DC characters, how they would be in a, in a Marvel world. And it was cool. Like, it was interesting. You know, like I think his, like the Batman was an actual Batman and different things like that. But I was as I was ranking these, I kept thinking, I'm like, you know what? I wish we had an exchange program where we got Kevin Feige to do this, or we got a, our stairs, our version of Stan Lee to come and do these. 
At yeah. least you're kind of getting that with one of the uh, things that you're most a fan of, and that's Star Wars. That's yes. kind of your exchange program because he's running yeah. Star Wars and he's doing the full pivot into Disney Plus series and a universe that way. And I've got um, if only they had that. gotten him in there a few years earlier to head up that trilogy. Oh. Uh, but it looks like we're headed in the right direction with him at the helm now. Um, while we're on the topic, mm. let's get into some rolling and trolling. Let's do it. Starting with Wonder Woman news, which you alluded Hinted to earlier. At. Yeah. First is that Wonder Woman 1984, HBO Max reported that nearly half of the subscribers watched on opening day, which is an accomplishment considering that it was Christmas Day. Um, but that being said, I'm surprised that it wasn't more um, given that everyone was home that day. True. And two is it is confirmed we are getting a third iteration to complete the trilogy with Gal Gadot returning and Patty Jenkins continuing to direct. I'm trolling, but I want to get into a couple of specifics. One, the sheer number of people that watched it slash the money it made at theaters, because it did get a release. Like it did go out in theaters uh, domestically yeah. and abroad worldwide. You know, so it pulled down. I think, what did you give the number? Or I didn't. Like I heard, million? I think it was like 16 million, which is a huge. Domestically. Like, no, yeah. I think that was worldwide. And that was a huge, like a. Oh, blow to the gut right there for yeah. Warner Brothers. Well, but here's the thing. I don't think it merits based on, based on like, if I'm, I'm the critic, we're critics, basically we're, we're entertainment mm -hmm. critics, me and you. So it's not critically acclaimed. I'm not acclaiming it. Okay. So yeah, it does not it's, deserve it's a not sequel based all, on that. Uh, it, it's not at success. all acclaimed, even yeah. not including us. So it should not get a sequel based on that. It's financial returns. You know, maybe they have some formula for dealing with COVID. So like they've had a year now to develop a formula for how to release their media and make money and what constitutes a success, what doesn't. But even by any stretch, this does not constitute a success. No. So I don't think it deserves uh, a sequel. I'm going to tag the director, Patty Jenkins. I think she should not head the next installment. Apparently she is. You know, there are some directors where, you know, you're glad that they're coming back. You know, for example, Sam Raimi did the first three Spider-Man Spider movies. Yep. And the third one had its problems that we talked about. But the theme was the same. The tone was the same. Like he brought the same thing to each film. So that's fine. This has a radically and dramatically different tone and tenor than the first one. She hit it out of the park with the first one, took a huge stumble with this. I think we need a new director if we're going to do it. And finally, and you weigh in on this aspect, where are we going with the DCEU? Is it time to scrap this, erase the whiteboard and start over? What do you think, man? Are you rolling or trolling? I I think I'm, God, 
I, I don't know what I'm doing because right now we're one for two. Okay. Yep. I'll give a little bit of credit to them. They were trying something way outside the box and just yeah. did it really poorly. I would like for them to kind of get back if they can get back into their sweet spot like they did right. with the first one and not go too over one way like they did with the second, yep. then that's fine. They they really tried to lean into it being a Marvel movie and they shouldn't have done that. They they weren't the right people to do that. Correct. Um I I would love to hit the restart button i don't think that's what we're getting from dc i think they're just gonna keep because right now what they're doing and i don't think i made it part of rolling or trolling but i did see a headline where basically executives at warner brothers like any chance they get they're looking to try to spin off hbo max series from any new dc movies so for every new DC movie, they're thinking of spin-off TV spin-offs Which for is normally, HBO Max. Normally, a good idea. Like that's normally something I'd yes. be excited about. But again, they're falling into the trap of trying to do what Marvel is doing, yes. and they're just trying to catch up constantly, and they're never going to do it. Poor decision making. So trolling. Yeah, it's a it's a. A lot of times we do slow rolls. I'm doing a slow troll. Okay. All right. Doing a doing slow a troll. I'll, troll. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. hold out a sliver of hope. Um, this really, there's, we're both rolling with this, but I, I thought it would be nice to mention since we are talking about DC, yeah. um, that the Justice League Snyder Cut movement, not only did they get the Snyder Cut to happen, but they also raised over half a million dollars for suicide prevention. Um, Obviously that's very significant because uh, Zack Snyder had to leave that movie because uh, one of his daughters unfortunately did commit suicide. Um, So that I thought that was a nice story that, that they did that. We're supporting that. We're rolling. Absolutely. Um, Moving on to the other side of the comic book universe. Vegas is getting in on casting odds. Well, I like this. Okay. Specifically for the Fantastic Four. Oh. And the sportsbook Bavada yeah. says Who's number one? That the best odds to play Doctor Doom oh. is your boy, John Carlo Esposito. John Carlo? Esposito. Are you rolling or trolling with him <sighs> playing Doctor Doom? Would you enjoy that? Would you roll with that if he were to be cast? I let's see. I'm good. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna roll with it because he's an, a massively talented actor. Massively talented. Um, and is also good at playing things like that. And he's having like kind of a, a carlissance, like he's returning. He's re- he was famous. He was doing things. Now he's back. Um, as for Dr. Doom, they're going to have to change the backstory. That's the only part I don't like. Like he's because Dr. Doom is like Latvian, which is Eastern European. 
Well, he, he's you know. Eastern European, but I think he like I don't is he is he Latvian or does he create that country? Because I know it's a made up country that he uh, it's rules a made up, over. It's a made up country that he rules over. He's I guess I think he I guess he does kind of carve that out and rule over it. But again, Eastern European. Um, there's some other elements. Oh, there. it's Latveria, by the Latveria, way. Latveria, Latveria. He's not from Latvia. Latvia is a real He's, thing. Latvia is a real thing. Right. Latveria is what thing. he. Yeah. So and he is from there. He is from, from there. there. I just looked it up. So. So long story short, Giancarlo Esposito is going to do a great job. Um, I hate to say it, but he's a guy that will do a good job even if you cover his face, which is what you need to do with Dr. Doom. Yeah. And I always complain about Willem Dafoe being covered up in the Spider-Man movie, but that is what Dr. Doom is. So I'm not like John Carlos Esposito isn't particularly expressive. In fact, he's kind of menacing because he doesn't have an expression. Like he's stone. So I'm good with it. I'm rolling. I'm I think I'm trolling it because I would like I think not to be ageist, but Doctor Doom is the same age as Mister Fantastic. Mister Fantastic and Reed Richards. So uh, I I don't think it matches because I think okay Giancarlo Esposito is too old for that role because it's a younger character. Do they have a Mister Fantastic at Bellevue? Yeah. So let me Sports give you Book. let me give you the Bovada odds for. Okay. We'll start with Mister Fantastic. Okay. So the favorite at plus two twenty five is John Krasinski. I get and it. Then they have Emily Blunt, obviously, as the favorite for Invisible Woman. Yeah. This is something that fans have really wanted. I could see um, that. They've got the next is John David Washington, John which David I think could Washington. be really interesting. He's Denzel Washington's um, son. He was the star yeah. of Tenant. He was in Black Klansman. And and for what character would he be? Mister Fantastic. No, no, wait. John David Washington would be Mister Fantastic that's he's this he has the second favorite odds to be cast oh, the second role. favorite odds yes. okay i'm sorry okay. yes um i don't know who dan stevens is but he's third favorite dev patel is fourth ewan mcgregor is fifth uh-huh. glenn howerton of always sunny fame is sixth yes, right out of which town. is kind of funny yeah um so then for invisible woman we mentioned emily blunt she's number one you have yeah. lily james number two also tied with samara weaving jessica jessica chastain four alice eve five i don't know i feel like emily blunt kind of I, makes sense there emily blunt makes total sense um, and blows the others away you know Dr. i'm not a Doom. chastain person Doctor Doom. So we mentioned Giancarlo Esposito right. at plus three fifty. The tied. There's a three-way tie. Hello. At plus five hundred for second place, and there's one that I actually think is really interesting that I I kind of like the most. Who we got? So I'll start with. So there's Viggo Mortensen. Ooh. Michael Fassbender, which he kind of yeah. did this with Magneto already. Yes. And Killian Murphy. Which Oof. I think I like the most in that role. You like, right, I think he fits Slim the Murphy most as Doctor Doom. Yeah, 
or I think that Viggo would be, Mortensen and, or Hugo Weaving. No, no, no. It or, was Michael Fassbender. Oh, Michael Fassbender. Um, I'm going to tell you something. Viggo Mortensen is an interesting actor. I am not Again, the, I think big, he's too old. Yeah. 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 But you can age him down because he's one of those people that like took care of himself and he makes choices like he would be interesting. He's also not for nothing. He could have. He could do a foreign kind of subtle accent, like not in your face, but he's subtly like, where is he from? You know, that kind of. Thing. Yeah. All, so I like that. You put that in my head now. I like that. Also with odds, you've got Oscar Isaac at plus 600, Christoph Waltz at plus 700, Nikolaj Koster-Waldau, he's from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also plus 700. And then whoever Wes Bentley is, I hadn't heard of him. He's plus 900. Um, Human Torch. Yeah. You have tied for first, both at plus 400, is Anthony Ramos, He's um he was in Hamilton, I'm pretty sure. Okay. He's plays Ramos. He's obviously one of the 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 founders, but I think he plays the son who dies. He's that right. one. He's got the yes, longer hair. Yes, I see him now. I and Zach right. Efron. Okay. Okay. We live in a world now that Zach Efron's a part of whether we like it or not. And I have determined to be supportive of certain things that Interesting. he's done. We've missed our opportunity to prevent him. And so you're just, you're leaning into it. I'm leaning into it because like I, you. I enjoy neighbors. Yeah. I enjoy both neighbors one and two. And I enjoyed the sheer like go for broke, Baywatch movie. Oh gosh. Where it's like I never saw it. oh, it's like we're just gonna be ridiculous. Yeah. And and lean into it. So I could see him being, you know, a cocky human torch. Um, the other guy, uh, I'm drawing a blank. The other guy you mentioned, the Hamilton guy, um uh Anthony, Anthony Ramos. Ramos. Yeah. I could also see because so I, I saw him, I actually saw him on stage play Hamilton uh, in the Hamilton show. And I could see him being a cocky young, you know, human torch, but here's what I'd like them to do. I don't care if they cast um, a black actor and the human torch and a white actress as Sue storm, but don't do like what they did with the remake where they really didn't give them any pathos and emotion like if they're if they're adopted children or if they're you know children of a a mixed marriage or anything that's all okay but lean into it like like have them be have there be a relationship like even in the even in the one with chris evans and um your girl jessica um, alba jessica alba like there was a relationship there you could they played well off each other right it like you could see he drives her nuts and like that was fun yep so, like I said, I don't care, you know, I don't care how you cast, just just get the story. As long right. as the person fits the character. Right. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Um, 
also with odds, Riz Ahmed is plus 500. He was actually in a movie that I just saw that was really good. Um, What was that called? It was called, um, oh God, now I can't. I can't. I'll, I'll think of it later. Right. It was a really good movie. He, he might get some Oscar. Um, Oscar buzz. Nods, Oscar buds. Um, you've got Taron Edgerton plus 600. Yeah. Um, Dockery Montgomery plus 700. Ansel mm-hmm. Elgort plus 800. Um, you got a Hemsworth in there. You got a Hemsworth. And then let's see the thing. Yes. Stephen Graham is number one at plus four hundred. He was in um, the Irishman. Graham. He was the guy who couldn't didn't get along with Al Pacino's character. Oh, oh, yes, he played Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire, which is about yeah. Atlantic City in New Jersey. Uh, Jersey represent, and let me tell you something: I really enjoy him as an actor. He's another one that's doing things, making choices, taking chances. I that would be an interesting. And he's like, he's got that kind of short squat build. Yep. And he also plays Scrum in all the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, he does. I don't know how I feel, but again, like I'm getting caught up. I feel like he's like a lot of these guys are too old uh, yeah. for these parts. Like then next is, at plus five hundred is Dean Norris. He's um. Walt's brother-in-law in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you've he's got, like a, a poor man's Michael Chiklis. I kind of like this one, Laz Alonzo. He's um, he plays Mother's Milk in The Boys. Oh, okay. He's he, he's kind of good. Yeah. Um. Well, let's put it this way. Let's close out with this. I I know you're saying these these like it's too old, too old, and you know. Disney's definitely going to want to lock into people that they can get seven movies out of. But we've seen what happens when you cast young, hot actors. It's, it's hot trash. It was bad writing. It was bad directing. It was bad everything. But they just didn't have the, the, what was needed to be super geniuses. That's what the, that's the first yeah. family. I, I, I'm not saying... 20 year olds but like yeah. give me give me a, a, a an in-between here i'm gonna tell you what i, I, I don't need Krasinski 50 and blunt 60 are the right year olds age. i think they make the sense right i think they make sense yeah um yeah I'm, I'm completely fine with it you could get away with them for a few movies like i just yeah. i want a few fantastic four movies i don't want just like a couple yeah. and then we got to think about rebooting because because you know, they're getting old they're getting old exactly but i think you can play on that too because let them get old because they're the first family so they can be the elders of this new phase of comic book people we'll talk later carry on yeah we'll figure it out we'll have Um, we i i i know our one listener connor is going to love the fact that we went off on a gambling tangent that was (laughs) that was good um neil there's a lot of talk about gaming consoles and the new generation a lot of talk. No, These we've young got kids, this PlayStation young Five. We've got Xbox, whatever's Series X. I think it is. Um, Sony and Microsoft just battling it out. But you know who people didn't see coming? Who didn't? But who? KFC. Let me tell you, they were a dark horse. 
they have revealed uh-huh. the KF console. Okay. It has two terabytes of storage rivaling the mm-hmm. Xbox and PS5. Right. And in addition to it, the website, quote, says, never risk letting your chicken go cold again, thanks <laughs> to the patented chicken chamber. Utilizing the system's natural heat and airflow system, you can now focus on your gameplay and enjoy hot, crispy chicken between rounds. Let's first say this. This is genius. Okay. I I think it's genius. Mainly because... And this is the last time I'm going to be as favorable about nonsense like this. We're leaving 2020. We're in the last week before the new year. We're leaving it by our next episode. I'm going to be back. I'm going to be talking sense. But when I think about the KFC console, I am filled with hope. I'm filled with like, this is something new and interesting. But how many house fires do you think are going to be caused by someone trying (laughs) to heat up chicken while playing Fallout for nine hours and forget what's in there and then grease up the whole console and put in other yeah. stuff. This is a dangerous idea. However, they, did, they didn't clarify whether or not it was going to be for sale or how many of the, these they've produced. So it could just yeah. be like a gimmick promotional thing where they only I, make like 100 of them. I'm, here's why I'm on board. Here's the, here's the definitive reason. Ever since Mario Lopez's romance yep. epic, their lifetime 15 minute movie. epic of uh, the Colonel, I think I think KFC is on the right track. They're like, we just need to do something to get people's attention. I'm rolling with their marketing team. Rolling with their marketing team is what we're doing. Yes. Lastly, we're gonna close out rolling or trolling. It was light on the headlines this week, just given that it was a, you know, Christmas week. Yeah. Um, but we do have a nice little bit for you. Um, Harrison Ford. Yeah. He was asked. Oh, Harry. If Han Solo was a forced ghost in the Rise of the Skywalker. He just asked in general, like, is was he a force ghost? Right. Harrison Ford's response Less than was, I have no effing idea what a force ghost is, and I don't care. <laughs> and this Here's... was trending on Twitter last week. Here's what. Uh, so I'm trolling Harrison Ford. And here's why. I've heard reports that he's not a nice guy okay and, and he does this kind of stuff often so i have had to separate my hero from the reality i love indiana jones i love han solo i love deckard from uh blade runner but harrison ford like there's been a ton of stories where he's like a mass, he's like a heavy drinker and he's rude to people on set and he's kind of like a jerk. And then he does these things 
and sometimes he plays it up for fun. Like he'll go on Fallon and he'll, they'll like intentionally put him in scenarios where he's making fun of like nerds and everything. And there was that funny thing that SNL did with William Shatner, like years and years ago, where, you know, they set it up where he's at a comic con and he's like, get a life people. But that's actually who Harrison Ford is. Like yeah. you were a carpenter. That was his job. He was a carpenter before he became a famous actor before George Clooney, no George Clooney, George Lucas was like, Hey, my friend, the carpenter, would you read with these actors so that I can find out who would be better to play Han Solo? And then he got discovered. So like I'm trolling because it pisses me off when famous rich people don't appreciate why they're famous rich people. Okay. That's my feelings on that. You know what? And you've changed whether I was going to roll or troll with it because I'm going to troll it now. There you go. I was kind of rolling with it just because I thought it was funny, but I'm yeah. trolling it now because that I you've appealed to my heartstrings. Um, let's move on. Moving 2020. On. Yes. Has been Can't a rough year. Rid of it. Yeah. Rough year for everyone. Not good. But we have tried to find some sort of solace in the things that we consume in the entertainment world. So what we've done is we have prepared our best of 2020 lists. Um, we've got a top 10. Each of us have a top 10 for you. Um, and let's get into it. I, I want to start before we dive into the actual top 10, I did have some honorable mentions, some things that Ooh, didn't okay. make my top 10 list. I don't know Go if ahead. you have anything that like you struggled with leaving off, right. but I, just to quickly mention um, Palm Springs. Very yeah, good movie. Yes. Very good movie. Didn't make my list, but it was very good. HBO Max. Uh -huh. Just in general, the streaming service. I, right came on the scene this year and i think it was a great introduction into the streaming world yes hamilton was fun for a week yes when that premiered on disney when plus the invisible man but specifically and spoilers specifically the scene where the sister gets killed at dinner I thought that was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that was an awesome scene. Um, the Daily Show, because they've basically done The Daily Show and made it, turned it into social media yep. version of it. So they've done a really good job with The Daily Show. Um, there was a, there's a show called Mythic Quest on Apple TV Plus or whatever it is Never from this, right? um, Mac from Always Sunny. He oh, okay. made this show, right? They did a special quarantine episode. Yeah. And it was really, really good. Very much worth watching. Uh, emotional, but funny. Very good. And lastly, this almost, almost made my top 10. The app Letterboxd, where yeah. you review movies. And like it's like the social media network for movie reviews. I have had a blast with that this year. I, literally every single movie that I watch now, I go and I log it in Letterboxd because it helps me keep track of all the movies I've watched. I do a little rating so I can see how much I like it compared to others. So that's yeah. been fun. Um, 
Okay, now that I've gone on my rant for that's my pretty good. I agree with all those. I appreciate it. Let's get into our top ten. Neil, do you want to start us off with number I'll, ten? With number ten. So okay, here's my thing. My, all right, so my number ten is a conglomeration. It's all the Star Wars news we've received in the last two weeks. Okay. Like all of it. So I didn't want to go into depth and detail. We talked about it in the last episode. So that's it. Like all the shows, all the potential, you know, future for movies, everything. All the Star Wars news is my number 10. Okay. I like it. I think that's good. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I have something similar a little later on my list. Okay. My number 10 is something from the beginning of the year. Mm, Throwback. Prior to quarantine hitting us yes and that is my amc a list membership yeah r.i.p right that i loved prior to quarantine happening you would talk about seen six movies yep with amc a list they were all pretty solid i had seen um 1917 i saw bad boys for life harley quinn the Invisible Man, The Way Back, yeah. and Onward. You were single-handedly bankrupting that company. No, it, they they AMC had it down it. pat. It was yeah. um, Movie Pass that. Oh, that's right, Movie Pass yeah. that screwed the pooch. Um, in 2019, all of 2019, I literally saw 27 movies <laughs> using AMC A list, and that's nice. not including. The second time that I saw Avengers Endgame. No, my God. It's also weird to think that it was only a year and a half ago that I had possibly the greatest experience ever seeing a movie at Avengers Endgame. Like, that was easily the greatest movie experience I've ever had. That was only 18 months ago. It was, that's it. That's all it was. It's crazy to think about that. But, anyways, it reminds me of a better time. It did occur this year, so I'm just in remembrance of AMC A-List, which I loved. It was $20 a month, and I could see three movies a week. That that It was great. It It was great. And it could be anything. It could be 3D. It could be IMAX, Dolby Theater, whatever. And I got to see it. You may even get better deals because they're going to have to dig themselves out of a hole once COVID ends. Yeah. See what happens. So number nine for me did not take place, was not made in the 19 in 2020. Um, but I rediscovered it. It's called Midnight Run. Okay. 1985 movie, I believe. Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin in an action buddy comedy, one of the few that Robert De Niro is ever a part of, and found it through HBO Max rediscovered it loved it watched it in my quarantine and i think that's what this list is it's like it's not just much of what i have here came out in 2020 yeah but i added that and a couple other things because i was like during my quarantine this is what i had fun doing yeah absolutely i uh, i love it i think that's great um my number nine is uh it's kind of a stand-up special but not it was uh dave chappelle's 846 
he released it on YouTube in response yeah. after the George Floyd murder. And he gave right. it some time too. I don't think it came out until like a month after everything that happened it really brought a lot of um, clarity to the situation. He, and, and um, I, I read a review that someone left that was really good, a review by David Chen. And I think it summed it up perfectly. So he said, this isn't a comedy special. It's a sermon. It's real, it's raw, and it's powerful. A, a long time ago, Dave Chappelle asked why we'd ever want to hear from celebrities like Ja Rule in a time of crisis. Right. This special metaphorically and literally answers that question. Nice. I like that. I also, it's funny that that's the quote because I did not know, and I think I asked you, uh, I did not know Ja Rule was a human person. He is. Yeah. I just thought that was a sound that I heard once. Nope. Yeah. He's a rapper. So that's that's funny. That's interesting. <laughs> so my, my number eight, again, not a 2020 release, but something that occurred in 2020. Um, I did a rewatch of Married with Children. So okay. all the streaming services I yep. went through, I did a lot of rewatches, but I, I, I wanted, you know, but I had to make a list of like, you know, so I didn't want to put all my rewatches on it, but, uh, you know, like uh, honorable mention community rewatch honorable mention, um, the, uh, uh, arg, I guess it's not so honorable. Um, how I met your mother. There but, you go. Yeah. But this married with children, I enjoyed because an honorable mention Buffy the vampire slayer. Um, I enjoyed because <laughs> I watched a lot. Uh, I love this show. Remember growing up, had such great feelings and, and memories of it. So to have it readily available, um, I loved it so much that I actually bought it on DVD years ago, but to have it readily available where it just slides right into the next episode without me having to click buttons, loved yep. it. Made my 2020 much better. All right. My number eight is a video game. Hello. And you're going to make fun of me, but it's okay. Animal Crossing. Oh, the Christ. video game for Nintendo Switch. When yeah. that came out, I was playing it and and two of my friends also have the Switch and and they were playing it as well. Yeah. And really why it's on my list because I really only I, like I played it for a few weeks like it was good. Yeah. Um and it's mindless and and kind of, you know, fun like that, but right. really why it's on my list is because it was actually a really great way to connect with my wife. Ooh, okay. Because she loved it so much right. i actually ended up getting her the handheld version of the switch so that she could play it on her own and have her own sweet. animal crossing island and we would sit and we would play it together oh. visit each other's islands and you know the islands. whole thing um and that was a good like two months worth of entertainment for us before we completely forgot about it and moved on to something else right. oh my god i love it that's so sweet um, okay. All right. Your number I, seven. My number seven is, uh, and it came out this year. Well, this season, uh, the crown. Okay. I have not watched the crown. 
I enjoy the crown on a couple of different levels. Very briefly, as a as a history teacher, I enjoy the history of it. Um, I think that they're fairly spot on in some some regards, or at least they're spot on in the perception of the royal family by the public. Like that, the, the what they're showing me is how I perceive them, um, and they just—it's like it. It's a, it's a soap opera without being a soap opera. Like it's, I don't have the guilt of feeling like I watched a soap opera. Yeah. But I did. Because it's also history it. in real right. life, kind of. Exactly. But just fictionalized? Fictionalized. So I enjoyed that. The Crown, very good. My number, number seven, six, seven. You, you alluded to, mm. um, and we did a whole four-part podcast on it, is yeah. Disney Investor Day. Just yeah. Because of the incredible flex that was Disney Investor Day and, and how perfect it was. And um, just the fact that it gave us so much to look forward to for next year. Absolutely. Gave us Absolutely. a little hope. So I like that's that. My Those number seven. Conglomerate, conglomeration collective yes. ones. I like that. Uh, my number six, you put it at honorable mention. I put it at number six, HBO Max. Wow, there you go. I did not have HBO for years and years. Um, well, like two years. Uh, I was off the grid. I was like, forget cable, forget this and that, blah, blah, blah. I've come back slowly. Um, you convinced me to invest in HBO. I did. And I've rediscovered things. I've found new things. I, it's definitely worth the money I'm spending on it every month. Awesome. I'm I'm glad you got it because I I really enjoy it too. I think it's one of the it's already become one of the better streaming services. Without a doubt. Um my number 6 is The Mandalorian. Ooh. I think I have it much lower than what you have it. I'm sure I you have it higher correct. on your list. Yes. Um but yeah, The Mandalorian is just great and it provided us with weeks worth of material to talk about and it gave Absolutely. us some amazing iconic moments um, and it's incredibly enjoyable and I loved it. So that's my number six. That is a great, 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 great answer. Uh, my number five, something we on our podcast collectively talked about and watched was uh, Trial of the Chicago 7. Okay. And, I, you know, I already talked about why I liked it historically and everything else for this, for the purposes of my list, I'm going to say what a great and un, uh, what a great and unusual cast. Yep. You know, when making a movie like this, those would not have been the first names I would have thought of, but each one of them did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. So trial of Chicago goes out. Cool. Your number five. My number five. I've briefly mentioned it on the podcast before is a television show. That was an FX show that mm. would stream on Hulu the next day <laughs> called Dave. Yes. Yeah. About the rapper, Lil Dicky, which oh was God. honestly so funny to the point where like there's, there's two shows on here and they're going to be back to back that they were so good and like, and funny and, and, but relatable and like all this stuff that almost made me want to rewatch it again right after having finished it. Um, so that is, that's my number five. I, I like that. All right. I'll go for your craziness with Dave. Uh, 
Um, my number four is not a great movie and does not deserve to be number four on anyone's list, but it's a movie that I was anticipating. It's a movie that I've got a special connection to with several pockets of friends. Me and you love this. Okay. Uh, okay. Me and, uh, you know, my, my friend, John have a very distinct um, interaction with this film where we, you know, we were somewhere and like that was the movie we watched and everything else. And, you know, uh, I've had relationships in the past where we've collectively like me and, and whoever the, I was with at the time took two different people really enjoyed watching these movies. I wish it was better, but I was excited that it happened in 2020. Bad Boys for Life. I thought that Bad Boys for Life was great. I enjoyed I it. did a great job. I enjoyed it. I, I Of the three, my favorite is the second one. I think it's so funny. Interesting. I, I like, so I think the first is, is, is number one for me, but the first is a great action movie. The second is a hilarious comedy. That's fair. That's fair. But I was excited that that movie came out. I would waited yeah. and waited. I was like, yes, they're doing it again. Yep. Martin Lawrence. Yes. So I put that on my I list. I like that pick. I should have yeah. had them in my honorable mention. Um, yeah. I kind of lumped them in with my a list. Right. Um, at number 10. Um, my number four is Ted Lasso. Ooh, interesting choice. If there's ever like a time where like you're feeling kind of down yeah. or like a little sad, honestly, just watch this TV show. <laughs> it is the most heartwarming, like Ted Lasso, the character himself is like the most heartwarming, like gr great person. He's one of the best characters from TV that I've seen in a while to be honest. Right. Um, and I just loved it. Like I, like this one, I literally like I finished the season finale cause I finished it in like two days. Right. I finished the season finale and I was, if it wasn't so ridiculous, I was about to just rewatch it again. <laughs> I loved it. It was yeah. so good. That's pretty good. That's all right. That's a, that's high praise. I'm going to think about that. You're number My three. number three is a game. I broke from my film and TV or, or yeah. And uh, it's a, it is um, PlayStation 4's Call of Duty because yes. a year ago I had not played a lot of video games, um, was very, very busy and the world slowed all of us down and put all of us at home. So having uh, the ability to play online across many states with you and my nephews and, and uh, you know, uh, especially Call of Duty World War II. Which is an oldie is but a favorite, goodie. An oldie but a goodie. Um, that got me through. Like, that has kept me busy. That's kept me occupied. I've had laughs. I've had tears. <laughs> and uh, it was very fun. Very enjoyable. I like it. Yeah. I like it. My number three is The Last Dance, Ooh. the Chicago Bulls documentary series that oh, ESPN released yes. early um, because of quarantine, knowing that everyone was home and needed something. Because when this came out, this was when there was literally no sports. Right. 
So it came out, I think, in April. It was supposed to come out in the fall, and they rushed um, the editing for it, which you couldn't tell. And it was it was an event every Sunday, for nice. me at least. And yeah. it's also my all-time favorite athlete ever, Michael Jordan. Definitely. Obviously the highlight of it, but it not only focused on Michael Jordan, but it gave you the story of everyone else that was a part of that team. Um and it was super, super interesting, especially like, I think you would actually really like it. I know you're not into basketball, but you being a history teacher and a history buff, kind of yeah. seeing the story behind this historic team in the sports world, yeah. um, you, you'd probably enjoy it. I like that. I like it. Definitely. That's a great pick. That's a great pick. Thank you. Um, my number two is another rewatch. And again, like I want people when they, when they, when we become superstars and yes, sir. they look back at our history of, of media and, you know, and when we're on episode 1000 and they're like, you know what, I'm going to go back and listen to episodes one through 20. I want them to remember this has been a year of quarantine. I didn't just quit my job and watch <laughs> this like. So remember, we were home, the world was not doing well, and we needed entertainment. I did a rewatch of every single James Bond movie. And nice. Even the yes, and even the Craigers ones that I don't like, and we can that's a whole other episode. Um, I did a rewatch of all of them. I, I've developed new opinions about some of them. I've reaffirmed old opinions, but I just remembered like it, it just made me feel like a kid again. Like it's one of those things like star Wars where you have such a deep connection to it. It's transcended generations. You know, your, our fathers watched it back in the, the 1960s when it came out, they were kids. We watched it. We were children. Now we're at an age where we're, you know, we're watching, other generations discover it. It's just one of those things mm -hmm. that's great. So I, I love my rewatch. Yeah. Your number two. Yeah. Oh, my, okay. my number two kind of, so I'm actually making a, a last minute switch. Oh, hello. And I'm flip flopping my number one and my number two. Interesting. So my number two is in the same vein as what you did with rewatches. Okay. Where it combined two of my favorite things, which is rewatching and podcasts. So my number two are all of the rewatch podcasts that I listened to that also allowed me to rewatch a bunch of stuff that I love. Specifically, um, The Wire Way Down in the Hole podcast. Nice. So I rewatched all of the wire seasons one through five and it was great and it was perfect and that podcast broke down every single episode and gave me two episodes a week so i just watched two episodes every week to keep up with the podcast right real friend friends fake doctors the scrubs rewatch podcast cool with okay. um the stars um zach braff and donald Faison are the right. hosts that was so much that's currently still going on. We're on season three right now, and they give us once or twice a week they're recapping an 
an episode of Scrubs. And Scrubs nice. is my all-time favorite sitcom. Yes, that's true. My all-time favorite TV show. Um, I love Scrubs. And the last one is a podcast called Binge Mode where they're doing all of the Marvel movies. Right. They're actually just entering phase four or phase three right now. Um, they just released the Civil War recap episode. They do a really great job. I think you'd actually like them because they've done, they originally started out with Game of Thrones years ago okay. when Game of Thrones was still on like season, you know, six right. or something like that. So they did all of the Game of Thrones episodes. They did all of the Harry Potter books and movies, which I loved. Yes. Personally, they did all the Star Wars movies, which was really good. And now they're doing um, the MCU. Um, so I've really enjoyed. It's given me a lot of content to like take in and be able to, you know, I like it. Yeah. pass time with during quarantining. Nice. Very nice. Number one. My number one. My number one is Mando mandalorian that's fair and it's number one because and i i don't want this to become a habit because i like to binge i like when they just release something to a, a media platform but given that we're in quarantine given the sadness that is 2020 i liked having something to look forward to every week and not only did we podcast about it did we talk about it but just the sheer like, oh, that was awesome. I'm on the edge of my seat. I need to get through one more week. It's mm -hmm. like, forget COVID, forget drama, forget sadness. I just need to survive one more week to see what happens. And they only had one episode that was a miss for me. And it wasn't even that bad of a miss. Yep. So I'm like, everything was up just perfect. And I can't wait to see what they do next. Number yep. one, Mando. I can't, I can't knock it. Yeah. Um, my number one is... And you, this is, again, it's a personal thing for me, but I know yeah. there's a lot of people out there who enjoy it. I, you may not be one of them, but <laughs> my number one was Survivor Winners at War. Oh, my God. And I'll just, to give you, you who's outside of this realm, a little yes. context. Go ahead. This season that premiered this year, they took, for the first time, it was a season, it was season 40, I think. So yeah. they've done a lot of these. And it was a season of all past winners of Survivor. So okay. it was basically like, you know how in sports you always have the conversation of who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? Right. It's like, oh, well, we've never seen Michael Jordan play with LeBron James. How could we ever know? This literally took that conversation and made it real life for Survivor fans. Uh -huh. So they took the the you know twenty best ever Survivor players who have and all slammed won, them together, put them together, and we actually got the answer to who the greatest Survivor of all time was. And it was like it was a dream. It was the perfect it season. It like every episode was great. The winner ended up being great. Like it, it was just. Everything about it was perfect. Well, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Shall we slide into our suggested for you? And Let's get away slide. from this before Let's... I comment on Survivor <laughs> and say something that's just going to ruin the evening. Let's slide into our suggested for you 
You watched John Wick. I watched Ocean's 13. I'm going to start with Ocean's 13. Do it. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Ocean's 11. Oh, my God. I keep saying Ocean's 13. It's Ocean's 11. God, I don't know why I do that. Ocean's 11, the original Ocean's 11. Yes. Um, Frank Frank Sinatra, Sinatra. Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, the Rat Pack. Yes. Um, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, I had a little trouble following along specifically what was going on in regard to their big um, robbery. Interesting. Um, But that's okay. It didn't take away from any of it. Um, I think the performances are great. In particular, I wanted to talk to you about the big three. Yeah. Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis Jr., what are your thoughts uh, on those three? Who do you think is the best actor of those three? And who do you think oh, is the worst? My goodness. Um, you know what? I'm going to say it. I, I think the bet, I think the man with the most talent, you know, and, and I'm from Jersey. I live in a town that is less than three miles away from Hoboken where Frank Sinatra grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think of the of those three, the man with the most talent is Sammy Davis Jr. Interesting, yeah. Like, and talent, like he can sing, he can dance, he does impressions. He, he, and and he had a you know this was the 1960s. He suffered and survived through a lot. Okay, yes. not just all, all the racism and prejudice and everything else. But also, he was in an accident and lost one of his eyes. And in that movie, and, and from that point on, he was wearing a glass eye all the time. So this is a one-eyed, um, five-foot, African-American song and dance man in the 1960s that is that talented, that amazing, that interesting. So as an actor... I think he does the best job in, in this movie. I think uh, Dean Martin was a lot of fun to watch, but you know, see, I, so I kind of, I feel like Sammy Davis and Frank Sinatra definitely have a leg up. I would have been interested. I would have loved to have seen Frank Sinatra in like a Scorsese gangster film. Yeah. I feel like he would have done a really good job. I don't know why, like watching this movie, I was like, oh, he would have been really good if he was, you know, if he was around to do something like that. Um, Dean Martin, while entertaining, is not a good actor. (laughs) He he is really like, there was one moment like in the beginning where he's, he like gives instructions to somebody. So he's like, here, put this in my car for me. And it's just some random like person and he's supposed to like wait a beat for the guy to start walking away. And then Mm -hmm. he says, hold it because he's got to give him something else. But instead he says, put this in my car for me, hold it. Like there's no pause. There's no pause. Like he just at all. He's just blurting out the lines. Um, That was something I noticed anyways. Um, yeah, I kind of I liked how every character is a math genius. 
Yes. They all can figure out how much time it takes to do exactly what, what they're and doing. Sing this song and get from this place to that place to do the perfect heist. Um, the end spoilers, spoilers, I think is different from the remake where they end up oh, not yes. getting the money. Yes. But like um, how, how it's, it's sad because of what happens, but it's funny. What happens? You want to say it? It's, well, yeah. because so one of the guys in the crew, one of the 11 right. dies during the heist. They hide the money with him in his coffin and think that his body is going to be sent back to San Francisco. But instead, the wife who he was divorced right. from decides, no, we're just going to do it there in Las Vegas and in Las Vegas or at least where they are they cremate the bodies so they burned up all of the money along with him here's the only thing Mm -hmm. they stole millions of dollars yes from five different casinos in one night yes they obviously decide to hide all the money in the coffin but they take ten thousand dollars of that money Mm-hmm. to give to the widow of the guy on the crew that died millions of dollars yeah and all you give to this lady and his his son who like you get in the beginning like a heart wrenching right. he was in jail and like oh the son's so sweet and he missed him right. and the son doesn't know he was in jail he thinks he was on a trip to japan or something yeah. Um, it's an interesting stumbling block, but yes, they only give her ten thousand dollars for for the son man. after he dies during their heist. That it's seemed greed. a little that bit like a slap in the be face, fine. like a slap in the fine. face. A poor way to remember your friend who <laughs> died in the middle of helping you steal all this money, and you were using his casket and you know yeah. defiling his dead body with all this <laughs> stolen money. <laughs> Yes. to hide away and transfer it back home. They kind of got what they deserved. Right. They got what they deserved. They were kind of shady. They were, you know, uh, definitely a funny ending. Um, I just, yeah, I, I love it. I think it was, I think it's entertaining. I think it's great. I do agree with you. You know, it's a classic, but it does, it does have a little bit of a meander where it's like they, they could cut some things out. Yeah. Um, uh, again, just another shout out to, um, to Sammy Davis. This is not a musical, but there's like a song, the title song, yeah, there's the title song and he, it's great. It is great. And again, it's 1960s. The title song of a film has, was given to Sammy, Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. Yep. And, um, and that was all, all as a result of Frank Sinatra. Cause at that point in his life, he was the studio. Like he was that mm-hmm. famous. He was that big after having problems in his career. Um, I do want to say this about your favorite movie ever, Die Hard. Yes. Frank Sinatra. And it's funny you say you want to see him in a movie, you know, like a, a Scorsese movie. Frank Sinatra was in a film called The Detective. Okay. The Detective was based on a book by Roderick Thorpe. Okay, a 1966 novel by Roderick Thorpe. And the sequel to that novel is called Nothing Lasts Forever, which is the source material 
for Die Hard. Interesting. What's more interesting is that at the time Die Hard was made, Frank Sinatra was still living. Yep. And he had the contract to play that character if they ever made the sequel to his movie, The Detective. And he had to say no in order for it to go to Bruce Willis. That's funny. So, Imagine yeah. old man 70 Frank year, Sinatra he was 70 crawling years through old. the vents. Yep. <laughs> but that is that movie, Die Hard, is a sequel. It's a sequel to The Detective. That's funny. Yeah. Interesting. So my... I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you felt all the ways you felt about that movie. Um, your suggestion for me this week was a huge hit, very huge success. And I'm going to say it this way, which I think is probably the greatest compliment that you can give a film. And I'm not being facetious. It was worth the money I spent on it. Yep. Like I had to rent it. So I rented the movie. And it was obviously cheaper than a regular movie ticket, but I had to rent it. And I had apps from the beginning of the movie to the end. I had absolutely no regrets spending the money on the movie. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this earlier. There's a lot of fight scenes, just a lot of fight scenes, just severe violence. Gun fu, baby. Gun fu. And you totally get what that is. Um, But... They just did it right. It's all visible. You can see what's happening. I can see every move and they're moving fast. It makes sense. I'll say this. Um, well, let me do all the positives. And what I'm, what I, my other thing is positive too. Keanu Reeves, just tremendous. I'm glad he's having a renaissance as well. I'm glad he's back. Um, he had kind of a rough go of it there. He had a, a patch where he was making movies that were flopping. He's tremendous. Um, interesting, broody, uh, dialogue delivered perfectly reminds us all why we loved him in the first matrix just tremendous second the cast around him fantastic i'm a huge ian mcshane fan um did a great job third the concept the concept of like he's an ex kind of bratva uh russian mafia hitman and there's a gold coin every time that they do an interaction. And when he goes into his basement and opens it up and you see all those gold coins, it's like, okay, obviously this person is for real, you know, and you don't get that until after he starts using the coins yep. for what they're for, you know, kind of just getting rid of bodies, information trading when he goes into these hotels. I just want to interject at this point because yeah. Think about the fact that the premise of this movie, which is brilliant, yes, is that Keanu Reeves plays an assassin mm. who comes out of retirement yeah. because someone Spoiler killed alert. his puppy yes. who his wife gifted him post-dying. Post-dying, post-mortem. How- I was going to talk about that brilliant is that and not only that but that is the foundation or the 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 catalyst for this universe of assassins yes it's just three movies predicated three movies predicated on the assassination of a puppy literally the three movies uh, it's like anyone could be an assassin 
but yeah. somehow it's like you love it and it all makes sense. I'll say this. Um, I was shocked when they killed that dog. Like, spoiler. Yeah. But I was shocked because like it's on screen. It's not it's not overly graphic, but it whimpers and you and it like it hooks you. It's like, oh my god, oh, yeah. what happened here? What's going on? Um, I was gonna talk about that because I, I think this must be PETA's favorite film. It's gotta be. This has to be <laughs> there. This is what they screen when they're on the boats yelling at other people and whalers and everything else. This has to be their favorite movie. Um, the kid that plays the kind of jerky son that does the crime yep. is Reek Theon Greyjoy from, from Game of Thrones. Yep. And I remember thinking to myself, this kid just is awful. Like Alfie something is his name. But like just in everything, he plays the schmuck. He plays the jerk. The but he's great boy. at it. He's great at it. And again, he's he does someone- a great job supposedly he is a delight in real yeah. life like supposedly he is just a sweetheart um but watching it it was perfect all the beats were there it was excellently paced it was fun it was energetic it was entertaining the the premise was brilliant i will say this and it, it was almost my suggested for you uh this week but i'm changing it there's a movie um that starred mel gibson called payback Okay. And it's a similar concept. And what made me think of it is... I know of it. Yeah. There's a syndicate. The syndicate basically runs a hotel, which is, again, parallels, mm -hmm. you know. But what, what I thought was most um, similar is the color tone of the film. If you remember, it's kind of blue. Like, it's, it's you know, mm -hmm. it's like happening at night, like blue. blue. Blue yep. tones. And that was the same thing with that Mel Gibson movie. And that was the first thing I noticed. It's not a ripoff. It's not a, in any way. I didn't feel like, oh, this is, you know, this is a, a rip or anything. Like that. Mm -hmm. No, it's its own thing. But there was enough parallels there where it made me remember that movie and remember that I liked it. So it's definitely something I think if you enjoyed, like if I was going to do a double feature, I'd watch John Wick and Payback. Yeah. That'd be a great double feature. But you hit it out of the park. This was excellent. And, and now I must watch the second and third. You have to. They, yeah. I, when I tell you, like, I'm not exaggerating or being ridiculous, they get better every yeah. movie. John oh Wick 2 is better than John Wick 1. John Wick 3 is better than John Wick 2. <laughs> I'm ready. It's, it's incredible. Rare that that happens. It's very rare. But at least for me, they literally, they, each one that you watch it's, is better than the last. Um, let's move into our suggestions yeah. for this week. Neil, I have two possibilities for you. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to try suggesting one. I just, ha I don't know if you have seen it or not. Okay. And then if not, I will pivot. Pivot. Um, so... My suggestion for you is the the reason why I'm suggesting it is because we talked a lot about DC. Yeah. Um, this is a DC property. It's on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. It's, I think, something that you'll like. It's a cartoon. Hey. Which I don't really recommend very much of, but this is a good one. I'm ready. 
have you seen Harley Quinn? No, I haven't. Okay. But so I this is a cartoon it. for adults. Yes. It's hilarious. It's so good. There's two seasons of it. It's nice. They're only like 20 minutes to half an hour, so you could get through them quick. It's only like, I think, 10 or 13 episode seasons. Okay. Um, they do a really good job. It's like every character has like a comic a comedic twist to it like commissioner gordon is is like in love with batman <laughs> and like it just fawns over batman yeah. um it, there's like a poison ivy is a part of it and jb smooth voices a plant yeah okay that's like part of the crew I like um, it. You've got what's her face from um, Big Bang Theory does the voice of Harley Quinn. She does a really good job. Kaylee, Kaylee Cuoco. Cuoco. Yep. Nice. She does a really good job. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it, especially as a DC fan. That Yes, they're poking fun at yeah. the characters, but it's just That's what it's we a need great twist. It's They do what DC does best, which is TV. Agreed. Totally agree. Okay. That sells me a ticket that notion right there that dc does tv the best absolutely okay i like that harley quinn on hbo cartoon recommended for me you will find my recommendation for you on hbo as well free to stream and it is in my top 10 it's midnight run okay i was gonna say i have yeah. i have not seen it and i i i was good like i like i said i was going to recommend payback Mm -hmm. But I really want you to watch uh, this movie because I truly, and this is what Recommended for You is supposed to be about, I truly think you're going to love it. It's, it's a road movie. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a road trip movie because, like, uh, without giving anything away, Robert De Niro plays a bounty hunter. Okay. Um, and he plays a bounty hunter who has to... Uh, track down Charles Grodin, who was the father from Beethoven. Yeah. Okay. And he's a bit of a curmudgeon, but he has to track him down, bring him back to LA. All right. And along the way, you know, there's problems because the reason he is a fugitive is he was arrested for embezzling money from a company that was run by a mobster. So the mob's looking for him. The feds are looking for him. Robert De Niro's looking for him. But the actors in this, Robert De Niro, uh, Joe Pantaleone, who yep. I don't know, if, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, he was in the the he was in the first Matrix. Yes, he was in Bad Boys. He's the, he commissioner, in Bad, he's the commissioner in Bad Boys. So you're gonna like him. He's got a lot of funny things to do. Uh, Yafet Kodo, who was in the original Alien and many other things, he was in a James Bond movie as well. Mm -hmm. Very excellent actor. Um, you're, uh, I forget the gentleman's name. But he played Eddie Murphy's partner in um, Beverly Hills Cop, like the older grizzled partner. And one of my favorites, Dennis Farina, who is just a genius, genius, genius actor. You're going to like it. It's, it's comedic. It has a bit of a hits you in the feels. There's a storyline there. It's going to hit you in the feels. Um, there's action because they're physically on the run. Yep. And I think you're going to have the most fun because in your mind while you're watching it, you, I think you're going to be like, I can't believe 
Robert De Niro is doing these things. But you would believe that he's doing them. Is it like uh, somewhat of a comedy a little bit? Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. Okay. It's okay. Because it it sounds like it's kind of like his first leanings into like, it's like a a preview to what he would do later on with like a, a, like an analyze this uh, meet so the parents forth. and meet analyze parents. this and all that yeah that's Absolutely. cool I'm, I'm excited to watch it that's gonna be awesome yeah definitely gonna be fun um cool well i think that does it for this week i'm gonna that watch midnight it. run you're gonna watch harley quinn um again next week so we're we're gonna come up with some creative things for you next week because obviously we are kind of biding our time a little bit until we get wandavision and could talk yes. about that every week. Um, we're only a couple weeks away from that. Um, so I think what we're going to do is maybe talk about what we're looking forward to most for 2021 in entertainment. Um, yep. And we will discuss our films, obviously, um, and do a lot of rolling or trolling because I'm sure next week we're going to get a good amount of it um, now that we're past the holiday. Oh, yeah. Um, we appreciate you guys. Thank you as always for listening. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review wherever it is that you're listening. You could find us anywhere from Spotify to Apple Podcasts to Neil's amazing website, glued to the screen.com. That's glued the number two thescreen.com I think that's did I hit everything? I think I hit everything there. Neil what do you have to say to the people? Stream on into 2021 everybody. See you on the other side.